coming up on this episode of Net at Night. Huffington Post is bought by OL. Zay Frank is back. We'll talk to the CEO of Sprouter, Sarah Pivet, and a lot more. That's all coming up. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Audio bandwidth for Net at Night is provided by Winamp for Android, the ultimate media player for your desktop and Android device, featuring wireless sync. Download it free at winamp.com slash Android. Video bandwidth for Net at Night is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Net at Night, episode 188, recorded Tuesday, February 8th, 2011. Sprouter. This episode of Net at Night is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free 14-day trial, go to squarespace.com slash night. And by Hover.com. Hover is domain name registration and management that's simple. For 10% off your new domain, go to night slash H-O-V-E-R.com. And be sure to check out the .co domains at Hover, now $15 through February 12th. Uh, well, I'm not going to go on and on then about the weather here. I'm just going to say it's somewhere above minus 20 Celsius. I bet it is. <laughs> and it's funny because um, my son, it's his birthday today. So he just uh, That's right. turning two today. Happy birthday, Connor. I know. And it's hilarious because I remember when I left the hospital with him two years ago today, it was plus 12 Celsius, which is warm for this time of year in Toronto. And uh, I'm just thinking back to that day. Not that I, I want to go through that experience again, but uh, nonetheless, the weather was nicer. I can't believe it was two years ago. I mean, I, I actually remember because you had taken a little time off of Nut at Night and I filled in yeah. for you for a few weeks with yeah. Leo. And, you know, I mean, I remember where I was and I was like two apartments ago and it just seems like, I know. And on one hand, it's like, wow, that was like another world, but it doesn't yeah. seem like it was that long ago. But I guess I for you, it probably goes by all that much faster. Yeah, it's still amazing to me though. It's that long ago. And I always think, because I look at some videos that I did then and I look at myself, I'm like, I look exhausted and I, you know, you still have all that baby weight and I'm just like, oh my God. And yet at the time I was probably feeling good because I was 175 pounds when I had Connor. So everything is, you know, on the up and up after uh, <laughs> actually uh, giving birth. But it's so funny because I look at pictures and I, I, I could just see it in my face, like just the exhaustion. But at the time I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> well, you just have, you definitely, you probably noticed that, but I feel like you kind of had a couple weeks rest and then it was business <laughs> as usual. I mean, you you faked it really well if you were really tired and didn't feel yeah. like, you know. I have a couch in my office. Let's just say I've ever since I was pregnant, I always had a couch in my office just in case you need those naps, right? It's a good thing to have. <laughs> That's very good. At least you can. Well, I guess once you have a kid, you've got to learn to nap because you get those yeah. hour where you, where you can, the hours here and there. I'm not exactly. a very good napper. I have to just yeah. sleep at night. I, I was never a napper. I hated napping because when you wake up, I, I always You're groggy. Terrible. I know, but now I'm, I'm starting to appreciate it a little bit more. Well, one day, one day I'll probably be forced to nap and then I'll know what it's like. Actually, I'm going to take a red eye in a couple of weeks, but it's been a really long time and I can't sleep on planes. It's, it's like it's, it's never really worked for me. 
even if I'm on a red eye, I just sit there <laughs> watching everybody else sleeping. So maybe the day after that red eye, I will nap. <laughs> we'll see. You're like me. I look at them sleeping and I'm thinking to myself, I'm so jealous that you're asleep right now. I just stare at people. And sometimes I think they're faking, but most of them are actually full on asleep. And I can't sleep either. I'm flying to Victoria, British Columbia tomorrow morning at like, I don't know, super early in the morning. And it's a, a long flight and, um, and then back early in the morning the next day. And I mean, I'm not going to be able to, I, I never sleep on planes ever, ever, ever. It's weird. It's yeah. Some, I, I agree with you. Sometimes I'll look at somebody and they're in the aisle and maybe the flight attendant keeps like hitting their arm on the way and they don't budge. And it's like, you're sitting up, you're clearly uncomfortable. The seat's too small for you. And someone's knocking you in the elbow every five minutes and you look very peaceful. How does And Sarah, does I mean, you're, you're, you're small. I mean, same with me. I'm not very tall, but I still feel uncomfortable. In the oh, seat. Yeah. Well, you know what my problem is, is, uh, Bring on the short people jokes, but my feet don't really reach the floor. So even though <laughs> I can fit in the seat fine, it's actually very uncomfortable to have your legs dangling for more than a short time because it's just funny. like you don't have, I don't know, support for your knees. So you I have to like think about stool. that and put a backpack under my, it's just, it's no good. Wow. Yeah, that's a whole other level. Yeah. I've never seen Although it. that is, it's better than being Jason Howell who... Uh, you haven't met, but he's really tall. I sat on yeah. a flight with him to Vegas recently. Nice short flight. And I mean, he is a really good candidate for someone who should just always be upgraded to at least business class because yeah. he's just too big for coach. It's, so it's how cruel. how tall are you then? It's cruel and unusual punishment. How tall are you, Sarah? I am 5'1". Um, okay. So, yeah. Pretty small. Not that small. I'm not snooky small. She's got no. me beat, you know? I've, I've all of a sudden become like part of the over five foot club, which is like the normal people, I guess. So funny. I always imagined you were much taller than that. You just never know. Well, we'll meet one day. and <laughs> You know, uh, the most common thing. Yes, I'm sure you get this too. Well, how tall are you? Are you tall? Um, I'm uh, uh, close to five, five, like five, four and a half. So you're average. Average, pretty, really average. Really? Yeah. yeah. My mom's, I think my mom's about five, four and it's like the most average height. The number one thing that I get from people when I meet them, you know, at CES or Macworld recently, when I met a lot of people that usually just watch us this way, number one thing is like, oh my gosh, you're so small. And they don't <laughs> mean, I mean, I don't take it badly. It's fine. I, I am. Yeah. But it just, it, it just doesn't come across, I guess. You know, we all look yeah. the same when it's like a medium shot of our shoulders. Yeah. And not that I'm sure people want to listen to us and continue to talk about this, but I don't know what your experience has been. I know you've hosted with different people, but from, from my experience, a lot of men in TV are actually short. Like I would say the majority of people I've worked with. And so what's funny is that I'll end up hosting, I'll be wearing heels. And so I look almost the same height as them. So, right. uh, you know, if they're like five, eight, all of a sudden people are just a little bit taken aback when they see that. Oh my yeah, God. it's true. It's, but yeah, it, it all depends on the set. It's like, if you're not standing next to somebody regularly, then yeah. you just don't know what, you know, the dynamic exactly. looks completely different. I would, they always, when I was standing on the screensavers, you know, they always put me on Apple boxes where I'd be like sitting in a <laughs> stool while next to the guy that was standing. So the cameras could yeah. at least match us up. I mean, smoke and mirrors. Um, all right. You want to start? Yeah, I'm all set. Okie dokie. Um, oh yeah, I remember how we do this. It's time for Net at Night. I'm Sarah Lynn in Petaluma, California. I'm Amber MacArthur in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All right, Amber, so Leo's still out. Uh, he's still down having a ball. I think he's in Uruguay this week or somewhere oh. about there uh, in South America. So you guys have graciously let me fill in one more week 
actually, there'll be another week after this. So <laughs> two, hey, no, it's the fun. second out of three weeks in a row. So thank you so much for letting me be a part of the show again. It's always a fun, fun time for me. And how is Leo doing? Because I, I mean, I'm following him on Twitter, but I'm guessing maybe you guys hear a little bit more from his end or maybe not. Well, I personally haven't. I've, I've, he, he, before he left, he made a big deal about, I'm going to be checking email every day. If you need me, here's the sort of special phone number that I can be reached at in case of emergency, of course. That because phone. Is it any time for him to be gone for so long because we've got this new studio that we're working on and, and all sorts of South by Southwest plans and, and this and that. And I've emailed him a couple times and I haven't heard anything, but they haven't been life or death sort of situations. And uh, he knows that. So I think he's doing great. I don't think I have any more information than anyone else who follows him on Instagram does. We're all just watching <laughs> him a- meet up with folks and have these lavish dinners. And I know Wozniak took them over to Montevideo the other day, which is just, it's kind of just across the water from... Um, from Buenos Aires, and I'm just jealous. I, that sounds I, amazing. I know, it really does. Well, he deserves a nice break, so uh, hopefully he's enjoying it. He does, himself. and I hope, uh, besides worrying a little bit about, you know, whether or not we'll burn down the place in his absence, I hope he's having fun and relaxing, because that guy yeah. works really hard. Oh, he's so intense, I know. <laughs> it's like Tom and I are doing kind of double duty, trying to... Um, make sure that it won't jammer B2 running the boards because obviously Leo, when he does the show, he does both and I'm just doing part of his job. But Tom and I are, you know, groaning and moaning about, oh gosh, wouldn't it be nice when Leo comes back and it's like, you know, several people are required to do the work of just Isn't one man. Amazing? And when he's here, he never complains about it. So, I know, you know it's so he works hard. We appreciate amazing. him. Well, he is missing some uh, big news, although I'm sure he's tapped into what's happening in the world of tech. Um, First up, AOL has uh, bought Huffington Post for $315 million. So a pretty good deal considering that the site was only founded in 2005. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, I was watching the Super Bowl, obviously, in the U.S. It was a big, uh, big TV day on Sunday. And it was amazing how, because the Huffington Post news broke, oh, I don't know, like maybe an hour after the Super Bowl ended or somewhere thereabouts. And my Twitter stream went from all sorts of Super Bowl jokes about the halftime show, you know, and congrats to the Packers to Huffington Post. And it's like the Super Bowl talk just ended from there. At least the people that I was following, it was a kind of a, it was such a 180 as far as uh, the uh, online chatter conversation. It's a really big story. Yeah, no, it sure is. You know, it's a, a lot of money. Um, I, it was neat to read some of the stats. I didn't realize that Huff, the Huffington Post got about 200 or uh, sorry, 26 million unique visitors every single month. Um, I also thought it was kind of interesting because in the article that I read, they interviewed Ariana Huffington, who said that as far as plans for the site and how it will change a little bit, she plans to do much more in the living space, especially for women. And I was like, what is that all about? I just can't even well, you know, imagine. You know, yeah, I some of she also mentioned uh, there was an all things D video. Uh, we talked about it on um, on TNT yesterday as well, uh, where they got the sort of exclusive first. Here's what's going on with um, with Ariana Huffington and Tim Armstrong, who runs AOL. And she had sort of mentioned it was almost a throwaway note about how Huffington Post has always wanted to get more into video and the online living Mm. space. And I kind of went like, well, video, I mean, AOL is experimenting with that certainly, but it it, kind of came out of nowhere. And I thought, hmm, I wonder what that means. It sounds like that there are probably a lot of ideas that have been 
bounced around behind the scenes and oh, we'll I'm get sure. to see the experiments play out to see if- It'll be fun. I know, um, I think so too. It's really neat. I don't know if you read Vanity Fair, but I was reading an article in Vanity Fair. I think it was maybe the current issue or one issue back. And they had a big article about the Huffington Post and about a couple of people who were suing Ariana Huffington, who claimed that they actually were the founders and helped her uh, start up the site and they deserved some ownership. And mm -hmm. uh, there was all this controversy, but it was really interesting. I really urge people to go and maybe uh, read it and, and take a look at uh, uh, the whole backstory there. It, it was fascinating just to dive into it a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 interesting to see the the story has gotten so much coverage, um, and it's interesting to see what what at least the first reaction takeaways seem to be. I mean, I would say the overwhelming majority of at least the journalists that that I'm following think that this is um, you know AOL got lucky getting Huffington Post. Like, oh well, AOL, this might really be the content. Well content farm uh, isn't, isn't necessarily the right term, but this might be the content that they need in order to get those, um, you know, page views up. Actually, their page views are pretty good, but, you know, they have subscriber drop off that, that um, and their fourth quarter earnings were a little bit lower than expected. But at the same time, uh, you know, I, I think that, and this is something that um, has always been very true to me is Huffington Post, you kind of know what you're getting with Huffington Post. They're, they're known for, for slanting left, you know, being a liberal um, mm. blog, but also covering a lot of areas. But you, you sort of, you go there expecting, I guess, a certain kind of a, there's a certain vibe at Huffington Post. And if AOL buys Huffington Post and AOL doesn't necessarily want to be some left-leaning particular vibe type of entity, because of course they, they have, a lot of platforms besides just the Huffington Post, does it change the Huffington Post that people know and love if they know and love it? I, don't I really know. hope not. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of the site. I love the content that they produce. And um, the only thing I will say is I kind of suspect, although obviously I, I don't know for sure, but with Ariana Huffington at the helm, um, I do suspect that, uh, you know, she'll push to make sure they still produce some really great content. So I have a little bit of faith because she is kind of leading the charge there. And as far as I understand from uh, a couple of the articles that I read, uh, she'll also be working on AOL media content as well as far as having some leadership there at the company. So let's keep our fingers crossed that the content continues to be great. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, I read their uh, iPad app all the time. So <laughs> Love yeah, that. and it'll be interesting also to see, you know, they have they have a lot, people People have sort of been going, well, now that having the post has all this money, are they gonna start paying all their bloggers that they don't pay? They do have a lot of, of blogger submissions and, and even regular uh, writers for the Huffington Post that are unpaid, that that sort of get their accolades in in discovery and possibly other deals because they've been on Huffington Post. But they do have about two hundred employees, which presumably will now be AOL employees that are still um, creating original content as well. Yeah, it's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, another interesting story, and I'm sure you are a fan of Zay Frank. He is uh, such a, a an internet superstar. Yes, and he sure I is. Just read we have to get him on the show, actually. I was going to try for next week just based on uh, him launching this new project. And uh, I know he's joined us before on Edit Night, so I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that he will uh, uh, come on the show uh, on Tuesday. So awesome. he's just launched a site called star.me. I can't figure out if this is a joke or not, Sarah. 
<laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Um, so the idea behind it is essentially that um, it allows you to build a, a personal splash page and uh, determine how much other people like you because they can give you stars based on, uh, I guess, your good behavior. I mean, it's very similar to what we saw with, uh, uh, you know, when we were kids and we were in school and you get a little star in your notebook if you do a good job. And uh, this has some of the same ideas there. And of course, integration with other social networking sites as well. So, yeah, so Star.me is, it's, the idea is, I know what you mean about, is this a joke? I think that it's not. It's just that, say, Frank has a way of being so kind of clever and um, creative that you immediately go, Where, what's going on behind you? I mean, do you feel like the idea of, of giving folks, so, okay, let me start over. The, okay. uh, you know, on the internet in general, I think that um, there has been a trend, and I think it's a really good one, and I love it, that people are, um, you know, the, the sort of anonymous commenting argument aside where people are nasty and mean when they don't have to own up to things, I find on the other side of the spectrum that people are really nice to each other because it's mm. easier to say, hey, Amber, thumbs up, loved that appearance, or that talk you gave was so cool, and it's easy for me to maybe just message you that or post note on your Facebook wall or yeah. a variety of other ways to, to kind of, you know, like something or wave at somebody or that sort of thing. So in that sense, I like the idea of giving somebody a star for something that they did well, but I wonder if it's taking it a little too far uh, because it kind of is, it's like something that you would get in school, like you get a little star sticker. Sure. I don't know. I mean, the only thing is, I, I just, you know, I agree with the TechCrunch article about this new site when they talked about uh, Zay Frank being a total original. You know, he really mm -hmm. is a one of a kind content creator. And so, uh, although I think it is a little bit strange, and if it was someone else who was at uh, the helm, I'd be, you know, somewhat uh, pessimistic. Right. But uh, I have faith in him only because he's just, he's so innovative and so interesting. So I, I'm I'm guessing that there are maybe legs there, but that's why I think we have to have him on the show. I just have to hear his side of the story and what the plan is there and why he thinks this is important. Uh, there is a video on the TechCrunch site that it is, um, I believe they interview him, if I'm correct. Um, if not, I'm sure he's talked about the project online in other places and uh, that will maybe give us a sense of kind of his position on this. But he's he's sort of disappeared for a while, so just happy to have him back on the internet. Well, it's nice to know too that he's obviously been working on things. It's not like he just said, ah, I'm out of good ideas. Uh, for anybody who's like, what is star.me? I mean, or, I don't actually have, I know it's in private beta right now, so not everybody can be a part of it. I have not gotten an invite yet. Um, I'm still waiting for somebody to invite me, but that's okay. But as far as I know, for anybody who's familiar with about.me, which um, happens to have been also a recent uh, acquisition by AOL, which is sort of a personal um, splash page, really. Uh, you can put up a picture of yourself and all the links to your various social networks. Star.me is a little bit like that, except that it kind of incorporates social games where the more stars that other people give you, the better your rank, I guess, or the better you feel about yourself, but probably more the better that you look to other people. And I worry, is it a little bit, let's say, you know, is it is it going to invite, you know, public Twitter campaigns like, please give me a great 
star for like this me, reason. Like and, me. you know, so so that your worth is determined by kind of how loudly you're squawking about how you want to be number one on Star.me. That could be a little abusive, I guess. Yeah, I could see it being a little bit... Uh, yeah, self-indulgent in some ways, but uh, who knows until we get invites and uh, chat with them. Uh, it's hard to really gauge what this whole community is all about. So true. And it's it's funny to say, oh, this sounds a little self-indulgent because I know that you and I are already using a lot of services that could be seen as self-indulgent as well. What are you talking about, Sarah? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. No, not at all. I just I just sit back and watch everybody else do it in their of Twitter course. campaigns. We're just lurkers, really. Exactly. Um, so a really neat site uh, that I also wanted to mention, which is kind of a, you know, a whole other category. Um, this is a site that was created by a nonprofit in North Carolina. Uh, it's a social gaming site called Spent that allows people to get a sense of what it would like to be like if you were homeless. Mm. Essentially, when you enter into this game, they strip you of all of your savings, you have no job, and you have to go through a series of questions and scenarios where you try to figure out if you can make ends meet, what you would do. It integrates Facebook, so you may have an opportunity to rely on your friends there to ask for money. And uh, I just think I love seeing nonprofits out there get so creative online and do campaigns like this. And uh, it reminds me, you know, uh, I think to uh, the guy with the golden voice, I can't remember his name offhand, who uh, I, I don't know. He's gone through a series of, you know, rehab and got mm -hmm. some jobs based on uh, that interview online. The homeless man that um, was making headlines a few weeks ago, and uh, I just think a, a service like this that raises a little bit of, of awareness is a, a really great thing. I do too. It's uh, it's. I love the idea because obviously online games are really hot right now and have been for some time. So we know that people want to play them. But it's like, okay, if you were going to play Cityville, for example, which is like the number one game everywhere right now, are you, are you actually going to take away, what tools are you actually taking away? You're not gonna go build your own city. I mean, very few of us are actually city planners in real life and would be using <laughs> Cityville to get a little bit more firsthand knowledge of how that works. I guess you're, you're learning things and you're having fun doing it, but this is like taking entertainment to the next level where there is a broader social message uh, mm. being shared. So that's exactly. cool. And I think it, you know, it just makes you think, right? It, even if it makes you think about the homeless. And it was funny when I was reading the headlines and then we went out to shoot a video just before we started Net at Night and it is so cold out here. And I had just read this headline. I started to think about people living on the street and how hard it must be for them today with this type of weather and, uh, you know, trying to find shelters. And many of them probably don't want to go into shelters because they're dirty and um, mm -hmm. they'd rather just be on their own. And uh, so I think, you know, bringing things to you, um, kind of highlighting things so people think about them a little bit is a great thing. Obviously, it's nice too if there's that second level of interaction where there's an opportunity to truly help someone. Yes. Um, so hopefully we'll see more of that with these type of social games. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, I talked a little bit about empathy earlier for for the cold, but uh, but this is, this is, you know, in San Francisco, uh, homelessness is a really big problem. There aren't, mm. uh, there, there aren't enough shelters to house everyone. And then there's also the problem of making sure that folks who could uh, make use of a shelter are even aware of that, are, you know, people need help. Um, and there's certainly a lot, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people, at least in my neighborhood, um, um, who, who are actively caring and working to help folks. And there are many more people who aren't. So, uh, you know, just, just sort of being aware on a more personal level of, 
you know, what would I do if mm -hmm. my landlord had raised my rent to the point where I got nothing, my family's nowhere near me, or maybe I don't have any, or, you know, all the sorts of situations that can put somebody in a really tough spot. Um, I think this kind of awareness is, is awesome. Even when you walk through the game, I mean, I went through it at one point where, uh, you know, within the, the environment, I took a job as a, a, a server, as a waitress in a restaurant. And then when they actually um, show you up front in really kind of bold letters that you'll be taking home approximately $240 a week. And how are you going to survive? Because your rent is this much. And it just makes you realize like, wow, this is amazing you know, <laughs> to, to really put these numbers in perspective. So um, by the way, uh, Twitter is keeping us honest, of course. And uh, my uh, friend, click a click Flicka uh, on Twitter just reminded me that uh, the guy's name is Ted Williams, the guy with the golden voice. Ted it just Williams, that's it. right, that's right. Totally I don't know what's me. going on with Ted. I've, I, I, I feel like I haven't, I haven't heard the latest, but I hope he's doing better. I hope so too. Hope so too. So Sarah, we have lots of other links, so I'm not sure if you want to do an ad or get Sarah on. I know she's going to be ready in a few minutes, but yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we might as well do an ad because we've got a couple of awesome sponsors that are so right up our alley, especially for night at night. Uh, Squarespace, squarespace.com. It's the blogging engine that I use. I mean, it's not even, it's a blogging engine, but it's a, uh, it's a lot more than that. I mean, it's, it would, could be a place to host a photos, to have forums, um, to, to have a blog of all sorts of different styles and, and, and different content. Uh, it's for beginners. Squarespace.com, if you want to, by the way, if this sounds interesting to you and you're kind of, you've never started a blog before, or maybe you're not happy with, 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 the, with the blogging uh, hosting service that, that you're using right now, uh, Squarespace.com will allow you to um, just try it out for 14 days. And it's not even the sort of situation where you have to put in your credit card information and then remember in 14 days to cancel if you don't like it because then they'll be billing you once a month. Not at all. You can actually just try it out for 14 days without, without any commitment at all. But I think that you'll really like it, especially if you're interested in, in kind of hosting service that works differently because Squarespace, I've, in my experience anyway, uh, per, uh, requires the least amount of technical cascading style sheet building knowledge on your part. If you're an expert, you're going to love it because it allows you to make any sort of customization changes that you want. So you don't have to be a new, but if you are, it, it, it's got these, these sort of, these sort of genius ways to be able to, to expand cells by just moving uh, it's so easy. Yeah, moving table widths and things like that. It's like you really have a lot more control over the way that your personal site looks with with the with the least amount of knowledge. And I think that that's what what keeps people from uh, from getting creative with their blogs. And that's why a lot of people's blogs look similar because they don't quite know how to fuss around and and, and customize it. But that's also how blogs stand out. So Squarespace is really good for that. Like I said. It's a blog module. You can, you know, you can set up a con contact info page. That's what I do on my page. Um, Tom uses Squarespace for his Sword and Laser podcast, where they've got the podcast links built right in there. It's really nice, really clean. And if you go to squarespace.com, there's an example page. So if you're kind of like, well, you know, blogs are blogs. How different can they look? You will be blown away but by all the different examples that Squarespace, you know, they've got a hundred templates that you can choose from, but they do have some examples. My blog is one of them that gives you a sense of how customized and cool and, and for a variety of reasons, people are building Squarespace blogs. By the way, if you already have a blog somewhere and you go, sounds great, but I've been a WordPress user or a Typepad user or, you know, or um, 
uh, movable type blogger uh, user for so long and I just don't want to switch and mess it up. Uh, there's a great import engine. You can import into Squarespace. I did that actually uh, myself a couple years ago with, with little to no trouble at all. You can also export. So if, if Squarespace isn't right for you, they're not going to hold your content hostage. It's not going to be an issue. Uh, they're just confident that you're going to like them. So uh, that's why they're uh, able to give us a 14-day uh, free trial. Again, no commitment on your part, no credit card, no nothing. It's just fun. Take 14 days and play around. Have a good time. Uh, the URL is squarespace.com slash night. And let them know that we sent you there. Like I said, I, it's great. I, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to... My mom is currently uh, in Eastern Europe for uh, a couple of months. I think I might have mentioned this on the past show. She's there with my dad. Yeah. And my dad is working over there. But my mom is fairly tech savvy. I mean, she understands how to use the internet and research things and use Skype and all those things. But um, I know she she's not bored, but I know she's out taking pictures and everything. Maybe I'll try to get her set up on Squarespace and I know she would just be hooked because it, it feels like that once you start using it, it's so simple to use and move stuff around. You just get sucked in there. Um, so I think she would really like it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, and, and, uh, and not to knock on WordPress at all because I know a lot of people use WordPress and love it and, and, and that's, that's their thing. But when after using Squarespace for some time now, I've gotten mm. so used to the UI. And by the way, their customer service is really good too. Whenever I have a question, someone's someone's answered me That's right away. Handy. You know, and they've either fixed the problem or they've they've forwarded it to the appropriate party. So they're very they're they're very good uh, with getting back to you. You know, but I look at some of these other. Um, you know, content management, and I go, oh gosh, I just wish it looked like Squarespace. This is just a mess. You know, it's just it's just not intuitive for me anymore. So it's good stuff. It's uh, good what stuff. are your parents doing in in Eastern Europe? In Moldova. Anyway? <laughs> I know. Uh, my dad has a couple of projects over there right now that he's working on. Um, my parents also lived in Sri Lanka for quite a while I after the tsunami that. there. Uh, and uh, worked on a tsunami reconstruction project. So basically my dad does uh, agricultural uh, consulting. Um, uh -huh. So in Moldova, he's working uh, basically in a couple of projects. Uh, he could do anything like, for example, he spent a lot of time in Russia uh, teaching people how to actually grow potatoes there. And it's not that he's a farmer, but he gets gathers a, a team of people around him who, who help to put together a, a study to be able to take advantage of land that isn't currently being used and develop it somehow, whether it's for farming or um, if they're building, you know, a housing development. So it really inter interesting. They've done a ton of international business. And I love it because my mom is, uh, I guess my mom is 66 or 67. My dad's 65. Mm -hmm. So they're still, I mean, full on in their careers and, uh, you know, traveling and just moving places. And so I think it's really cool. That's awesome. I mean, kudos That's to your awesome. parents. My mom is uh, about the same age and she's actually in, gosh, on the 14th, she leaves uh, for a, like a three-week trip to Israel. But oh, my wow. mom hasn't been out of the country in, I mean, I think the last time she was outside of the U.S., my family went to Mexico when I was oh, wow. a, a little kid. Um, oh, we, we took a lot of trips, but it was just mainly in the U.S. You know, we went to Tahoe a lot and things like that. So I am really proud of her and it's a big deal. Oh. So your parents are, I mean, they're adventurous folks. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. cool. Pretty cool. So uh, should we get uh, Sarah on? Yeah, Another Sarah, it's going to get confusing fast. Yes, I know. Well, you know, she spells her name the right way. So I got to love it. Got to love it. I think we're, I think we're about there with her. There she is. Let's see if we can get her hey. mic working. <laughs> I definitely, no see, I definitely see her, and she probably hears us. Hey, Sarah. I can hear you. Sarah. 
Hey, Sarah, it's nice to have, uh, uh, well, it's nice to have two Sarahs on the show, but also it's <laughs> nice to have a group of women on the show as well. Um, Sarah, I'm just going to briefly introduce Sprouter, but it would be great if you kind of told us what it's all about in your own words. Uh, from what I know of it, it's just this amazing uh, community and resource for people who are starting their own businesses, uh, a place to get help and build connections, but uh, I'll throw it over to you and you can tell us a little bit more. Sure. Well, Sprouter is entirely about helping startup founders. So we have uh, an amazing community, like you said, of uh, people who've come forward really uh, to pay it forward. So people who have built uh, huge empires themselves, like Aaron Patzer from Mint.com, uh, providing advice and feedback back to a younger generation of people. And so we provide a variety of services, but the, the basis is really this, this sense of community and support that comes between uh, people who have gone through similar circumstance. But we have a community that's peer-to-peer. -peer. You can talk Talk to other founders, find people in your local area uh, to meet with and, and sort of work on your, your company with, uh, but also ask uh, direct advice. You get answers uh, immediately via Ask uh, Sprouter. Uh, and then we have, of course, our events and our publications. Our Sprouter Weekly uh, is uh, quite uh, popular with the startup crowd. Uh, we highlight the top startups, uh, people who are getting funded, the events in your local area, uh, and really connect you to the people who can help you grow your business. Yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, Sarah, <laughs> fellow Sarah, <laughs> with an H, woo. Uh, with I, an when, H. I was, when I was getting familiar with Sprouter, I, you know, I'm looking at the site, it's beautiful. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's a joy to kind of click around and navigate through. And I thought, why haven't I heard of this before? I feel kind of silly because it, it, would, it, would, it seems like something that a lot of my entrepreneurial friends, especially in the Silicon Valley, would get into. And I asked a friend of mine who's, uh, she's about to launch her, her company publicly in a couple of months. I said, you familiar with Sprouter? And she said, oh, yeah, I love their newsletter. And uh, I said, well, what about the rest of the site? And she said, well, I don't know. I just like the newsletter. So it's, it, it's, it, so I, uh, you, your newsletter you offer to folks uh, with archives as well. So anybody can kind of get a bunch of information. It's, it's startups of, you know, featured startups, featured um, I know uh, the featured uh, startup with with a little information about it this year is rent or this year this month is uh, uh, this week is rent the runway which is obviously very popular with the ladies. Um, but uh, how do you get entrepreneurs or or budding entrepreneurs or entrepreneur wannabes um, to know about Sprouter and to use it regularly? Well, it's been entirely word of mouth up until this point. We've never done uh, any marketing. It's entirely based on uh, word of mouth referrals from people who are currently using the site, but also from the media that we've been really fortunate to get. And it's funny that your friend you know, knew the newsletter, but didn't know the Sprouter site. And yeah. we find that that's happening because people know us from sort of one vein of what they've experienced, whether it's Sprouter Weekly or one of our Sprout Ups. We throw events uh, in major cities around the world, so they know us for our events, uh, or if they're in, uh, an engaged sort of member of the social media community and, and part of our peer-to-peer our -peer community, they may not know about our, uh, our Ask platform. And so that's what we're really focused on right now is consolidating that so you experience uh, all that we have to offer and, and not just the different channels. Why do you think there is a need for a service out there like Sprouter? Well, I mean, I founded Sprouter based on the my own personal need. I had done a, a startup, uh, I guess, in the late uh, first dot-com boom, uh, and I found it immensely difficult just to get advice from people. 
um, on sort of very niche things to my business. I mean, you can sort of look online and find ways, you know, how to market your small business, how to do things at a 30,000 foot view. But, you know, when it's very specific to your industry, to your city, trying to reach out and find those people and then trying to cold call them to ask them for their advice just seemed impossible. And so this really allows you to have specific questions about your business and get insight from credited experts, people that we vetted and we know, these people know what they're talking about. So how do you how do you reach out to all of these amazing entrepreneurs, especially those who have established themselves already in business and get them to say, yeah, I'll be there at Friday at two to answer a bunch of questions live because that must require a lot of a lot of booking. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, to be honest, at the beginning, it's it's difficult, right? I mean, we had to build our own network to be able to leverage uh, or allow other people to leverage our network. And so at the beginning, it was a grind. It was a lot of going out there, uh, getting people to uh, to listen to us. And thankfully, everybody has uh, bought into the vision that we have of all of us sort of pitching in the knowledge that we have for uh, the next generation of entrepreneurs. And so that's been great. And, and really what we use is the referrals of people who have used us um, to get the next uh, wave of experts. So, you, you know, an expert this week. Um, so we've interviewed uh, Jennifer Fleiss, who's the founder of Rent the Runway, you know, going to Jennifer and saying, yeah, who are the other people that you look up to? Who are the mentors that, uh, you know, you have in your life and trying to uh, engage those people? It's sort of a, an organic growing cycle. But certainly social media has played a incredible role, um, like with just Twitter uh, alone, sort of building a network and building the buzz around the community. Could you give us a, just a, a sense of the range of the type of people you have using Sprouter? Because as far as I understand, you know, it's not just straight up tech or software companies. Yeah, I mean, it's not just technology. Certainly that has been the, the early adopters and those are the people who are most engaged with the social media scene and seem to readily adopt new services as we offer them. But uh, our, our range is uh, is quite a range. And we have people who have started restaurants, people to people who have uh, started, uh, you know, software companies and even a range of uh, you know, sort of that tenure in your industry. So from that, uh, you know, maybe the idea incubation stage all the way through to, you know, five years in and, and still in that startup, but growth phase. Sarah, I have to ask because right now, uh, in fact, just last week, there was a, um, a big article about the Q&A revolution, the Quora's and the Forum Springs um, that I read on the daily iPad app. And, you know, some, something like Quora could, could definitely include an area that could be a competitor to Sprouter, but obviously on Quora, you can ask anything about anything to anybody, and this is much more focused. Uh, I mean, do you consider Quora a competitor? I mean, in a certain respect, certainly. And the idea of a Q&A, I mean, it's directly related. I think, though, if you looked at Sprouter, someone could sort of find a comparison for everything, right? Our peer-to-peer -peer network certainly compares to something like Twitter uh, or a Q&A. You know, I, probably six months ago, someone would have compared it to FormSpring. But now, you know, given Quora's rise, you'd probably compare it to, to that system. And so I think there's always going to be a comparison. Um, I really think that our competition for our services is or people's time and attention, right? So I think we're competing with Quora as much as we'd be competing with Facebook. It's where you're spending your time online. We're trying to take uh, some of that time to, to really have you engage with our community. And so 
that's sort of a long-winded answer to say, you know, core is a, a certainly on our radar, and it's uh, and it's something that we're looking to to see what they're doing well and what they're not doing well, and use that within our own niche community of startup founders. What is the long-term plan for Sprouter as far as you know making money and growing? <laughs> Making money and growing are uh, are maybe two separate things. We've been really focused on uh, on growing uh, since uh, I guess for our for the past year of our existence, um, and now it really is the time to monetize. And so we've been really fortunate to uh, have such an interest uh, early from vendors in sponsoring things like our Sprout Up events, um, sponsoring obviously the the publication, which is is making the rounds. And so we've been uh, we've been a little hesitant to dip our toes into that field. I'll be honest, it's a it's a big jump to go from focusing on user acquisition to all of a sudden focusing on monetization. And for whatever reason, it feels like a big, scary commitment, sort of like uh, signing up to a, a phone uh, phone contract. Um, but it is something that uh, we're going to venture into, but we're going to do it slowly and really base it on the feedback of our users on you know what makes sense for the community, because that's what comes first. If our, if our users aren't going to use us because of the way that we've tried to monetize, then uh, we weren't successful. You obviously, Sprouter has, I mean, there's there's so much to it. There's the website, there's the Q&A area, there's the newsletter, which is obviously popular. You've got an iPhone app. Uh, so as far as discovery, you've made it very easy for folks to discover and interact. I mean, I set up my account in seconds just logging in through Twitter earlier. But so I'm not an entrepreneur. Um, I'm not, at least in the short term, uh, building my own company. I very happily working at somebody else's company, but how much is Sprouter kind of for a certain type of person? Or are you more of like anybody can get something out of Sprouter, whether you're just lurking or getting information if, if, if one day you want to uh, start a company or, or kind of get into the entrepreneurial spirit? Or do you think that it's not for everybody? Well, I mean, different levels of involvement for different people. We are first and foremost committed to providing value to startup founders. Uh, sort of everyone else's is peripheral. Our, our real mission is to help you as a startup founder really take that idea, execute it, and execute it well. Um, and so that's not to say, though, that uh, people who aren't you know, a founder at this point uh, couldn't get some value out of Sprouter. It's just not our focus. But certainly, um, I, I have received emails from people who read our publications and enjoy learning about startups. And I think that there's been a very uh, interesting shift in the past six months where or maybe the past 12 months, where people have become really excited about startups. All of a sudden, startups are sexy, and, and that's a great thing for us. And we certainly uh, think it's going to do uh, wonders to increase the number of entrepreneurs uh, across uh, North America. Uh, so uh, just to wrap up, what advice do you have for people out there who are starting their own company? And I only ask because I'm sure you see so much great feedback on the site. And is there kind of one thing that just comes across at time and time again? Yeah, you know what? It's it's bizarre, but every single founder we see that's early stage seems to have this fear of uh, sharing their ideas. They're terrified that someone's just going to run away and, and steal it and, and do it before they do it or, or do it better than they're doing it. And that isolation, I think, really can, can mean the death of a startup early on. You need to put your ideas out there, get feedback as fast as possible, uh, and also just realize that, you know, that initial idea that you have probably has a long evolution ahead of it, and you can't be afraid of taking that feedback and iterating based on that feedback. 
Great advice. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you have a very hectic schedule. Uh, make sure uh, if you're listening right now or watching that uh, you follow Spreader, you guys are on Twitter. Uh, of course, your site is amazing too, as Sarah mentioned, and the newsletter is great too. So thanks a lot for coming on the show. Thanks, thanks Sarah. Thank you. It was nice to have you. Sarah Pivet, Prevet of Sprouter.com. She's a CEO, founder and CEO. Smart cookie. Amber, I <laughs> have you ever thought about just putting all of your, I mean, do you have, you have you ever had one idea where you said, you know, if I could just stop all the other stuff I'm doing, I would you know, build a service like Sprouter. I mean, the thought is terrifying to me. Yeah, you know, I haven't. And I, I think Leo and I maybe had this conversation. We've had it a couple of times, you know, coming up with ideas, but then at the end of the day, not really seeing them through. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's it is terrifying. I mean, th to go out there and you know just put um, all of your uh, other projects on hold and to say, hey, this is the one. I think this is really going to work. Right. Uh, it takes a lot of guts, and uh, you know we've seen it in San Francisco and other places where people have uh, you know put tons of money into projects that haven't worked, and then on the flip side, it you know it it has worked. And I don't think there's one recipe for success necessarily. Right. Uh, so I just don't have that idea. I mean. I, I know, think, uh, or we haven't gotten it yet or something. I feel the same way you do. It was really cool um, spending some time once my, my buddy said, oh, the Sprouter newsletter is awesome. I spent some time reading just the latest issue earlier today, and there's a lot of really good information by people who, who have been through it. But yes. at the same time, the more you read from um, either struggling entrepreneurs or very successful ones, the more you realize it can be such a thankless job. It can be scary. You have to handle rejection. You have to work around the clock. I mean, entrepreneurs who are being honest will tell it to you like it is that it's not just this, oh, you have a good idea. You're going to be a millionaire. I mean, it's for most people, it is um, it's truly a labor of love that uh, can be very punishing. Oh, definitely. And I remember just uh, living in San Francisco from, I guess, 1999 to 2002. And uh, at the time, I dated this guy who started a software company. You know, we got tons of funding and I was very closely involved in some of the main decisions that were made there and, and just kind of knew what was happening with the money. And I, I think it made me somewhat gun shy because I saw a situation where we thought, okay, we're kind of you know leading the way and we've got things figured out. And this is a hugely successful company. We grew so quickly. We spent so much money. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it was was just pulled out from under our feet. And I, that to me is just a, such a scary thing that I don't necessarily want to go through again. Right, yeah. So it's not for everybody, certainly. But uh, Service X Sprouter does, not. I mean, it really, they've, they've, they've got the community thing down. You know, it's a very welcoming, open, friendly. It seems like it's just the kind of place that you'd want to hang out in if you just want to talk to some smart people who are like-minded, who are going through the same types of, you know, trials and tribulations that you are. So great site. Definitely. I love it. Uh, well, before we get to the rest of the show, uh, we should thank Hover because they're our yes. second sponsor and Hover's great. If you're not familiar with Hover, you know, in a nutshell, they make domain registration simple. Um, it's funny, uh, a friend of mine, Marco Arment, who many of you may know as, as formerly of Tumblr and the guy responsible for Instapaper, who many of us know and love, he was asking on Twitter the other day, I need a new domain registrar. I don't know who he was using in the past, but he wasn't happy and he was just ready to, to manage his domain somewhere else. And he was getting all these recommendations from people, you know, like free domains today for us.com. And, and, you know, there was, there was a lot of going back and forth where he's like, I don't know. Some of this stuff just seems like it's too good to be true. Hover 
it's probably exactly what Marco is looking for because they don't really sell a lot of services. They're really pretty much just about easy way to uh, to um, to 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 get a domain name and an easy way to manage the domain names that you already have. Um, they even have a, a kind of an interesting customer service policy where if you've got a problem, you want to get a hold of somebody at Hover, they have a no on hold policy. So if you call, you're going to talk to somebody right away. You're not going to sit on hold wondering if anybody cares. And, you know, when you go to Hover.com, it's not this flashy, weird experience. And they don't have a lot of hidden fees. For example, the, the registrar that I used to use, and I'm not going to name any names, but I always added on who is privacy, which is like mm -hmm. another... Oh, I don't know. It was five or ten dollars a year, so it's not so much. But if you've got a domain that you're renewing year after year, I mean that money adds up. Hover's not going to charge you for that. That's all free because they, you know, they they believe in privacy. Um, so if you need a new domain, if you want to manage your domains, and by the way, if you uh, if you transfer over from whatever registrar you're using right now, that's free. Then they'll just charge you ten dollars to extend the domain registration one year past its current expiration date, which you would want to do anyway. I mean, if you're transferring domains over, then you're probably serious about them. But uh, if you need a domain, just use the offer code NIGHT. So the uh, the URL, I'm going to spell it out for you just so you get it right, is night.hover.com. So night.hover.com. And then when they give you an offer code prompt, also use NIGHT. And it's 10% off, whatever your, whatever your order is. So if you're buying a bunch of domain names, now's the time, 10% off. Or if you're transferring over, you're going to uh, get everything all in one place at Hover.com. Then we're just going to give you an extra 10% off because we love Hover and they love us. It's a great partnership and we thank them. To, to be honest support. with you, Sarah, I think yeah. the whole idea that they have the no hold policy, that is enough to make me want to do business with anyone. I mean, I can name a number of companies that uh, I would uh, love to continue to support if they had that policy because there's nothing I hate more. And I think many people agree with this than sitting on the phone and waiting for yes, the phone to answer. Yes, my bank recently, I also won't name names, but my bank, well, I will, it's B of A. Uh, bank of America has been doing this weird thing where they keep charging me this monthly fee and it's, it's, it's a mistake. Uh, and every month I have to call them and say, why does this keep happening? But every time I, and, and they're always very apologetic. And I mean, I, I'm getting my money back, but it's the phone call that I have to make because it's too complicated to write in some sort of a web question. So I'm always on hold. And lately I've been complaining about it a lot because I'm doing it on a once a month basis. So if Hover is not gonna keep you on hold, then that's just one more reason to love them. Also, if you're interested in the whole .co uh, uh, new domain that you can, you know, uh, GoDaddy's been talking a lot about them, but Hover also offers .co domains. Uh, they're $15 uh, for a yearly rate now through February 12th. So you have a few more days. If you've got the .co domain of your dreams, now's the time. Well, that's a good idea. 15 bucks because a lot of places they're like 40. They're like double what a .com would be for no particular reason besides your... Mm you're missing a letter. So I think a lot of, that's another thing is like a lot of domain name registrars will try to cash in on the fact, you know, they did this with .tv as well. It's like, ooh, it's new and special and people will pay top dollar. It's so expensive too. $15 is, is very reasonable. So thanks to Hubbard. That is pretty reasonable. You guys rock.
Okay, Sarah, I'm going to uh, jump through. We have just a couple more headlines, but one I wanted to mention is uh, from the, the folks over at Flowtown. And I think based on an email that you sent to me, uh, you know them maybe? Yeah, Dan Martel, uh, Flowtown, he, uh, he's awesome. He's, he's, he's a new friend of mine. We met through mutual friends in San Francisco. And so when you mentioned Flowtown earlier, I was like, hey, Dan Martel, I know him. Um, that's just, it's just a small world, you know, and he's Canadian and um, he's, he's, uh, I don't know. He's been in the Bay Area less than a year now, so he's oh, wow. up from your neck of the woods. So huh. it's just I like you know, it even it's, more. It's like Sarah. we're all connected. Six degrees. I know. Six degrees. So uh, they created this infographic, and I'm just I always say on the show that I'm in love with infographics, and uh, this that. is no exception. <laughs> uh, this is um, a social media high school yearbook. So what they're doing is they're taking all of the top social media sites and assigning them really to cliques. So um, for example, uh, Twitter would be like Gossip Girl in school. Uh, Facebook would be like the Jock. Uh, Wikipedia would be like the Nerd, and the list goes on and on again. So it just it's really a, a fun uh, graphic to take a look at and just see how some of the top social media sites compare to these different group groups of people if you were still in high school. The U the YouTubers or the AV nerds. I guess I would have been a YouTuber because I did a lot of AV stuff when I was in high school. Band Geek, Last FM. I love this. MySpace, The Wannabe. Oh, that's so sad. Uh, now, it's interesting that Reddit is the reporter. Um, mm -hmm. Of all the sites that could be classified as, you know, the reporter who's delivering you the news. I mean, I could argue that that could be Twitter as well. It all depends on who you're following, yes. I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, that's funny. Yelp, the debater, work at the exchange student. I know. <laughs> and stumble upon the procrastinator. Uh, I Tumblr, love that. The compulsive documenter. Quora, the teacher's pet. Uh, Foursquare, the paper bag lunch kid. It goes, yeah, there's so many of them. Live Journal, The Goth. I think that's Ooh, probably one of the best Dig, ones. this is harsh. The ex-best friend. Right. Did it, someone from Reddit make this? No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, that's, this is cute. I mean, it's it's whether or not you agree. It's a, it's a clever way to look at what um, kind of the stereotypes of so many of the networks that we use regularly are or can be perceived as. I know. And they also have quotes attached to every single profile. So that's also uh, a lot of fun. Uh, like WikiLeaks, for example, the quote is, I feel your scorn and I accept it by Jon Stewart. Uh, <laughs> My space is the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about by Oscar Wilde. <laughs> I love that the Instagram quote is, there are no rules for good photographs. There are only good photographs. Ansel Adams. Of course. I think, of course. I think some, some people who uh, follow my Instagram feed would not agree. <laughs> They're all good photographs, but hey, that's why I use the service anyway, or I try. Um, yeah, this so is really cool. I love it. I love hmm. this. It's really neat. Uh, the other site that I wanted to mention that I just read about uh, is a, a site, uh, kind of an anti-social website. This guy, I guess his name is Dan W. He created a place where you can go and uh, you can avoid four square users. So the, the site is When Should I Visit? And uh, it's uh, an attempt to find the least busy times at uh, museums, galleries, and theaters in London. Uh, so it's kind of funny, you know, you think of Foursquare and okay, where are the popular destinations? But what he's done with this is he's mapped out uh, four square check-ins at different uh, popular venues. And then if you find out, for instance, that um, at a museum, it's really busy with check-ins on a Saturday. But on Wednesday, it's not so busy. Then you should obviously go on Wednesday because you won't have the same type of crowd. So uh, a fun use of uh, the four square site. Well, you know, it's it's 
this is, it kind of makes sense, right? Because he's still using Foursquare. It's not like he's not interested in Foursquare or thinks it's a silly service. It's actually very useful in order to not be just part of the big crowd. Uh, you know, I do that um, here, you know, in, in my local network. You know, I have a lot of Foursquare friends and it's like, um, <laughs> well, how do I say this and not sound like I'm I'm dissing anybody? Sometimes some, a place will be, a venue will be trending with a group mm -hmm. of people and, you know, and I'll kind of look and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what that party is or I know what that event is. Yeah, it sounds like it's too busy. You know, maybe I'll go over here instead or I won't <laughs> go to the bar away. that's right next door because then maybe I'll run into a lot of people. And, you know, you may, it, it, being antisocial can be for a lot of reasons. You know, you're tired, you got a headache, you just want to eat or, or you don't like the person or whatever. So it's, it's, a, it's a good way. It's a good use of something that people go, well, I don't want to tell everybody where I am all the time. Well... You could at least know where everybody is if you want to avoid them. And yeah, museums so would be a great example. I hope that uh, they come out with this in other cities. I think it's a, just a lot of fun. And uh, I'm sure people would appreciate it, even if maybe it's not always totally accurate. Because they're really, at the end of the day, um, as far as people using location-based service, I think I read a stat recently. It's sort of less than 10% of the population uh, in uh, both the U.S. and Canada. So still a, a small uh, you know, sampling of, uh, of uh, people everywhere. But uh, nonetheless, still fun. It's true. Yeah. I mean, at least you can use the avid users of geolocation software. You can, yes. you can, you can avoid them if you want to. You know, it's, it's interesting, Amber, I don't know how big of a, Foursquare is just obviously one example. You know, we've got Gowalla and Instagram. You can tag yourself. It pulls from Foursquare or, or the food spotting or, I mean, the list goes on and on of, of apps that I use on a daily basis that incorporate geolocation. And I've never really had a problem with it, but I have a lot of um, uh, friends and, and people that are like us who, 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 who are very interested in the internet and how it works, who are not comfortable with the physical location um, and uh, show no signs of being comfortable anytime soon. I think it's just, it's, a, it's one of those things that people are on one side of the fence or the other side. Yeah, I would agree with you. I don't use them all the time, to be honest with you, just for kind of that exact reason. I like the concept. And I, I think, for example, if more businesses that I frequent on a regular basis had four square deals, I'd be more tempted to take advantage of the service. But as far as just checking in and, and letting people know where I am, I just... I'm still a little freaked out about people kind of just showing up and saying, hey, I saw you checked in on Foursquare and thought I would, you know, come over. And it's not because I'm antisocial. It's just more of a safety thing. And I travel a lot and um, I just, uh, you know, haven't taken advantage of them. Although, I, I mean, I, I love them if I can say that, even though I'm not a user, uh, but I just haven't found a perfect fit for them in my life right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know how you feel. You know, it's interesting. I am. Um sort of weird story, you know, it's like the, 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 the worry is always, well, one day someone crazy is going to come to wherever you are. And, you know, that's kind of the, the, the worst, the worst thing that could happen, you know, with the geolocation services is that you're telling somebody where you are and somebody that you don't want to know where you are is going to come find you. Um, outside of, uh, my apartment, it turns out that some folks came by and were sort of loitering outside our, our my apartment is you know there's like 10 apartments and you have to go through the first door to get into the the lobby and then you know we all have our own front doors so it's not like just being on the block was gonna get anybody anywhere but there were some people who had accosted mg and said hey i know you yeah we noticed wow. you were in the neighborhood they didn't know that where he had checked in was our home but they were close enough to kind of just hang out and he happened to walk by when he left the house and he sort of 
waited a couple months to tell me that that happened so that I didn't oh my freak goodness. out. But I went, oh my gosh, that's awful. What do we do? And he said, well, they were fine. They were nice. You know, I, I, yeah. I had and nothing I think before. The majority of people and it was, are. You know, I'm, I'm sure in most cases, nothing terrible will come out of it, except maybe you'll be a little surprised. But I thought, oh yeah, I've, I've really never thought about the whole home thing. You know, if I check into the pizza place down the street, I fully expect somebody to come in and say hello if they're walking by because I've told them where I was. But the home is more of a gray area for me. Definitely. I totally <laughs> agree. So uh, I guess the only link we have left is the video of the night. Okay. And uh, this one is probably not a big surprise, although it is definitely a Net at Night favorite. The Old Spice Guy who oh, has been all the love the Old Spice the Guy. Year. Uh, has come out with a new video that is now making the rounds online. Um, I read somewhere not that long ago that the videos from the Old Spice campaign have been viewed more than 110 million times. Holy. So uh, a, a huge social media success. And I expect that this particular release will be no exception. Awesome. Well, are we going to say goodbye and then roll the video out as we, yeah, as we do have it. done recently? All right. So this is uh, the, uh, the new Old Spice video uh, that's, uh, if anyone knows, the Old Spice guy. He's he's a big internet favorite. He's he's maybe one of the biggest internet superstars to date. Certainly, at least in the top five of 2010. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we'll see if anybody remembers him in six months, but I bet they will. Um, Amber, this was so great. Thanks again for having me on the show, and and um, you know we'll try to get Save Frank on next week. Yes. But if it's not him, then it'll be someone else amazing. And um, that's that's it. Stay right, warm Sarah. in Toronto. Minus right. whatever it is. Okay. And I will uh, see you next week. Okay, sounds good. See you Thanks, guys Sarah. next time on Net at Night. Goodbye. Hello, ladies. Where can you go when your man smells like me? Close your eyes and I'll show you. Do you feel it? The sand between your toe tips? I do. Surprise! You're on a mountain peak. Why play those sweet shalalas you love to hear? Firework colors turn our world upside down. I hope you like water because we're neck deep in the sweet waters of friendship and trust. You see, when your man smells like the fresh scents of Old Spice, you can go anywhere. Unless, of course, you prefer to stay in.